Uh, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, as Max mentioned. If you have your Bibles or your phones or your whatever and you want to turn there uh, to verse 22, that'd be great. Um, but before we do, I need you to turn to your neighbor. And, and by the way, I know Generations has never been quiet. So turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus believes in you, you should too. Ready? Go ahead. Do it now. All right, turn to your other neighbor, say the same thing. Ready, go. It's okay if it's the back of their head. <laughs> All right, good, 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 good. Good, good, good. All right, if you would do me a favor, stand up with me. We're gonna have the scripture on the screen as well. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But I'm gonna have you read with me out loud, everybody together, this passage. So I believe in your ability to read, and you can do this. So we'll do this together. Ready? Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Well, he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. When the disciples worshiped him, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Good, will you bow your heads with me? God, thank you for today. Pray that your spirit, the true teacher, would come and teach, and I pray that you would open us up, and that the things that would point us to Christ would be the things that would stay. In Jesus' name, amen. You can grab a seat. Uh, you may find this hard to believe, but when I was younger, I used to be a rock climber. I used to climb rocks. And one fall, one beautiful fall, actually it was in October, I got a chance to go to New Hampshire. There's a school there called Eastern Mountain Sports. And I got to do this rock climbing school, basically to help me get better and really to learn to lead people in rock climbing. Now, I don't know what you know about rock climbing. I'm gonna assume not very much. And so most, the first two days of this, of this school, we did what we kind of, what you might consider kind of normal rock climbing, which is just kind of a almost vertical kind of the cliff and there are ledges and handholds and you climb your way up and, and we learned all kinds of things. It was great, okay? The second day, the third day, I'm sorry, the third day of the, of the school, um, they took me out and they, they were working with me on this different kind of technique. It's called smearing. Now, I don't know what you know again, so I'm gonna show you a picture. This is, this is kind of the idea with smearing. There's, it's basically there are some rocks that you wanna climb that are, 
that are like big boulders. Basically, if you think about a smooth pebble, except for giant size, sometimes you want to climb those. And so there aren't really any handholds, per se, or footholds. There's no real ledges. It's a smooth surface. And what you do is you have a special kind of shoe, and you, you basically step, you smear your foot on the rock, and you have to trust that that shoe will hold that particular thing. Here's an example, here's a picture of somebody doing it. As you can see, there are a few little crevices and things that they can grab a hold of, but there aren't really hardly any. And this is a pretty steep climb. Um, most of the climbs that I did weren't quite this much, but, but you can kind of see like there's no real places where you're putting your feet other than just the rock itself. And it's really counterintuitive because what you have to do, it's physics. If the more you stand up, the better that the chances are that your foot will actually stick. The more you stand upright, but what you want to do is grab a hold to the rock, right? And that's the worst thing you can do because that takes more of the pressure off your foot. But so it's really counterintuitive. So I'm I'm in the midst of this. I'm climbing this, and we're about halfway up. And and the my instructor he turns to me and he just says he looks at my face and he goes, Brian, you don't like this at all, do you? I said, no, I don't, I don't, I hate trusting this. It's like, I like being able to put my foot on a specific pebble, rock, something. But here I am having to smear, I don't like this. And so we continue to climb and we got to this place, we took a little break and just as we took a break, it started misting. Now, in the fall sometimes, especially in New England, it, it does this, like it doesn't rain like, big raindrops, just this kind of mist falls on everything and makes everything even slicker, right? And, and then we're at this place and, and there are two basically paths we can go. One is just to kind of continue going kind of a easier way, the kind of way we've been going. The other is a lot harder path, right? And so he's like, of course, he takes the harder path, right? And so he's going up. It's even steeper. It's more like this. It's really steep. And, and we're climbing up. He starts climbing. He's about 15 feet ahead of me, and, and I'm following behind him. And, and he just turns around. He can just see this look of terror and misery on my face. And he said, he said what's the matter? I said, well, if I'm honest, I'm kind of afraid. And then he said this. I'll never forget the way he said this. He said, Brian. You have everything you need to do this. You have the right equipment. He said, Brian, you have the training you need. You have the capacity, the ability to do this. I wouldn't have taken you up here if I didn't think you could do this. And then he said this. He said, in my 25 plus years of rock climbing, every single person that I've ever been around, I don't care how brave they are, how many climbs they have, everybody at some point has these moments of fear. And he said, but sometimes you have to move past the fear and trust what you know is true. Now, that's a mic drop moment, right? This is a, like the, the, this is a great statement. And I started to ask myself some questions. Just that, that statement, that quote stuck with me. And I started asking myself some questions even about my own faith. My own faith in Christ. I grew up around the church. I, I knew the church. But, but I had to ask myself some questions. Am I really trusting because sometimes we get into these places we're afraid. And so I started asking this question, what's keeping me from really following Jesus like he is who he says he is? So I wanna get into the passage here, but before I do, there are two pieces of background I need you to learn. Just, it'll help you understand what's happening in this passage even better. So I need you to raise both hands. There are two things, raise both hands, it's okay. 
It, hopefully you put it on deodorant. Uh, two hands, if not, do the half mast. Okay, so <laughs> with your left hand, the first thing I need you to know, so just hold up your left hand right now and say deep water. Hold it up high, just kind of represent deep, say deep water. And, and here's the reason you need to know deep water. Because the Jewish people in Jesus' day, and even to this day, Orthodox Jews the same way, have this really big fear of deep water. And the reason for that is that it comes from Genesis chapter one, verse two, the very beginning of the book, says the earth was formless and void and darkness hovered over, covered the deep water or the surface of the abyss or the chaos. The same word for deep water in Hebrew is the same word for chaos and this kind of mysterious abyss, this thing that you should be afraid of. So deep water. So here's what I want you to do. When I say water from now on, whenever I say water, you can, whatever your most afraid face is. So let's see it really quick. What's your afraid face? <gasps> whatever, maybe it's <gasps> whatever. What, what is it? This is, some of you are smiling. This is not a afraid face. What's your afraid face? Some of you, it's like this. So what's your afraid face? Do it. <sighs> whatever it is. Okay, so when I say water, do your afraid face. Okay, some of you are still not very good at this. Okay. <laughs> the other piece of background you need to know, hold up your right hand, the other hand. Three fingers, hold up three fingers. Okay. Come follow me. Say, come follow me. Turn to your neighbor, say, come follow me. That's kind of weird. So in, in, in Jesus' day, in this day, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. You can put your arm down for a second, but hold up those three fingers. Come follow me. In Jesus' day, as a Jewish rabbi, what he would do is he would, basically a rabbi was somebody who lived the text, lived the scripture in such a way that was a full embodiment. In fact, they were the most holy, the best people that you could imagine. And so they learned the text, they memorized the, the, what, we call the, what we would call the Bible, they wouldn't call it that, but they memorized it, they learned it, they taught it to other people, they lived it every day, they lived in a way of integrity, they prayed the Bible, they just, everything they did. And so what they would do as a rabbi is they would call people to be their disciples. They would say, come follow me. Typically in the way that Jesus, in Jesus' day, we could talk more about it, ask me later if you want, but about the age of 17 years old, 16 or 17, you, you might have an opportunity to, a rabbi might say to you, come follow me. Say, come follow me again. Come follow me. And what that meant was this, that he wanted you to, first of all, he believed you had the capacity to become like him, to also be able to live out the text so you could become just like the rabbi. He believed you had the ability to do that. That's number one. Number two thing was he really wanted you to follow him. And so what that meant if you can imagine what it means to, to try to learn the way somebody lives life, to learn their integrity, to learn their rhythm of life, to learn how they interpret things, how they see things, what makes them, their values. So what it was like in Jesus' day is those disciples would leave everything and they would follow the rabbi everywhere he went for about 15 years. That's a long time, yes? So about, from about seven, 16, 17 to about 31 years old, they would follow them. Because what they were trying to do all the way along is learn everything they could about the way the rabbi read the text, lived the text, prayed the text, all those things. Come follow me. And then the third thing, you have a third finger, the third thing that, that this meant was that he expected you to share what you were learning with others. And so there was this, this understanding that part of what you're supposed to do is learn and share as you follow the rabbi. So, all right, so come follow me. So first one, deep water, Let's see your scared face. <sighs> Okay, other one, come follow me, okay? So this will help you understand what's happening in the text. So again, 
I'm gonna jump into this. Immediately after this, what just happened was Jesus just fed 5,000 people. If you've never heard this story or read this story before, it's a good thing to look at maybe even this afternoon. Just go back and read right, the passage right before this. But Jesus feeds 5,000 people. They were there listening to his teaching and through this miracle, he takes some bread and some fish and feeds these people. And, and basically, so what we know from this story before, why that's really important, is it's evening time. It's like supper time. They had just finished this up. Jesus' church, by the way, they didn't have a building either. So they had just done teardown for the day, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and they were sending everybody home. So he insisted that his disciples get in the boat. Why did he insist they get in the boat? Because where did they want to be? If they were good disciples following the rabbi, where did they want to be? With him, right? Following him. So he insists, get in the boat, go across the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, Jesus went up on the hills by himself to pray. Night fell and he was there alone. Okay, so you kind of get this picture. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now let me explain something really quick. Some of these disciples we know from scripture were, just, were fishermen, so they knew water. And remember, I said water, you guys didn't do it. Water, <gasps> right, okay, water. They knew water, they understood it. They, they believed it brought life, but they also had this fear of it. So these guys are in the boat and these waves had, had risen up, okay? So this isn't the first time they've been across this. By the way, normally it would take them probably about 20 to 30 minutes to cross the sea, okay? It's the Sea of Galilee. About three o'clock in the morning. So we don't know when they left, but we know it was probably around dusk. So somewhere, let's just say it was 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Three o'clock in the morning, they're still in the middle of the lake, right? This is not good. At three o'clock in the morning, Jesus come towards them walking on the water. When the disciples, thank you, they, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, not just afraid, not just a little bit scared, they were terrified. That's a bigger word. Terrified, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. With feeling, right? With feeling like Scooby-Doo or something. It's a ghost, right? It's a ghost. So probably there is this sense in them. Remember, they're in the deep water, uh, right? So they're already nervous, and they've been there for probably like six hours, way too long. They're tired, undoubtedly. They're afraid, undoubtedly. And here they are, and they see this walking on the water toward them. It's a ghost. Thank you. It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Now, have you heard this phrase before, don't be afraid? You should have. It's the most used phrase in all of scripture. Hopefully you know that. If you don't, now you do. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. There's a whole bunch in that we don't have time for. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, this verse, so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. First of all, if he really thought it was a ghost, <laughs> right? Why would you think a ghost would be honest with you? I don't know, right? <laughs> does he, if it's a ghost, does he expect a ghost to say, no, I'm not Jesus. I'm really a ghost here to take your soul or whatever. I don't know. What is he? I don't know what, he, what the alternative was. But Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. And then walking on the water, like, he thinks that's a, 
a real alternative, right? <laughs> and remember, why does he want to go where, where Jesus is? Why does he want to walk out there? Because Jesus was his rabbi. He's trying to follow as closely as he can. You will note here, Peter gets a bad rap sometimes, but you will note here, none of the other disciples who were also in the boat have, are saying anything like this right now, right? Peter's showing incredible faith just by saying this. And then Jesus says, yes, come. Now, I don't know about you, but that's it, right? That's all Jesus says, yeah, come. He doesn't say, yes, come, you're gonna be fine, it'll be safe, you'll do great. He doesn't say, yes, this, oh, this is a new thing you're gonna be able to do. I know it seems like a big deal, but it's not. In fact, there's a little technique if you just learn that, like, there's not, he just says, yes, come. That's it, that's it. And then Peter does it. Peter went over the side of the boat. I don't, I don't I, I wanna pause here just for a minute because we kind of know the rest of the story because we just read it. But I wanna pause here. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. One of the things that he would have been most afraid of, he listens, he follows Jesus, and he does it. He walks on water. <gasps> Good. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Now I want to pause right here for a second. There's some things that I want to make sure we're seeing. So can you imagine when, when Peter and the other disciples are in the boat going across the water? Thank you. They see the wind and the waves. They're terrified. Don't you think at some point, whether they said it out loud or not, don't you think at some point they thought, if only Jesus was here, if only my rabbi was here, then he would at least be able to tell us what we should do. Look, here's the thing. For all of us, the wind and waves are gonna come, yes? It doesn't matter if you're the closest to Jesus you've ever been or the furthest you feel like you've ever been. The wind and waves are going to come. Turn to your neighbor and say, the wind and waves are gonna come. They're going to come, yes? And if you've been around life at all, you know this is true. The wind and the waves are going to come. It doesn't matter who you are. And here's the thing, in the midst of those, oftentimes we cry out, oh, Jesus, please help us. Please be here with us. But I want you to see something that's in this story that's true for a lot of us, I think. That oftentimes when Jesus shows up, he is there, but oftentimes we don't recognize him because it's not what we were hoping. Let me say that again. Oftentimes Jesus shows up, but we don't recognize him because it's not what we were hoping. It wasn't what we thought it should look like. It doesn't happen the way we want it to. Anybody with me? And so in the midst of oftentimes our wind and waves, those things that we fear the most, the, the struggles in our life, can I say to you, Jesus is there, but he may not always show up in the way that you think. Sometimes we say, if only so-and-so would come and help me, but another friend shows up. Have you ever had this happen? And it was like, it's not the person that I wanted, or it's not the person that I thought would be here, but all of a sudden there's somebody there. Sometimes we need to maybe open our eyes a little bigger and ask ourselves, Jesus, where are you? I know you're here. Where are you in the midst of these winds and waves? And then in the midst of this, Peter looks and sees the wind and the wave. Now, is this the first time do you think Peter noticed the wind and the waves? He'd been struggling for six hours. I don't think this is the first time he noticed. 
But what began to happen is he began to trust Jesus. He began to walk on this water because his focus was where it belonged. But then he starts to see again, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to do this. This isn't something that I'm capable of doing. And then he begins to sink. And then it says, Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Now, we read in a generations the New Living Translation. It's a great translation of the Bible. I think it's really good. This is the one spot, I think, in the whole thing that drives me insane. Because this last word in the sentence, me, why did you doubt me, isn't in the original Greek. It's not in any other translation of the Bible that I can find. They just put it in here. And I, it drives me crazy because I think it's wrong. Let me tell you why. Because is Jesus struggling to walk on the water? Is he sinking at any point here? In fact, who's doing better in making progress across the sea? Is it Jesus or the guys in the boat? <laughs> Jesus isn't having any trouble. <laughs> Peter doesn't, and I think this is the way for many of us, if we're honest, we believe that God can do what he wants to do. We believe he's not in any trouble here. He's not struggling in any way. But the reality is for most of us, I believe that our doubt comes in ourselves. We don't believe that we can do it. And I think that's exactly what, where Peter is right here. He's, he's saying, I, I can't do this. This isn't possible. But here it is. Jesus says, why are you doubting? And then what happens? I want you to catch this too in verse 32. When they climb back into the boat. Now, we don't know how close the boat was, but we know that Peter had walked on water, right, to get to Jesus. And then he began to sink and Jesus helped him. And there's lots of scholars who believe that probably Peter actually got up and started walking on the water back to the boat. <laughs> Do you catch this? That once Jesus grabbed him and he, he again said, oh yeah, I can do this not because of me, but because of Jesus. I can do this. He walked back to the boat, climbed back in, the wind stopped, and the disciples, they finally pipe up, <laughs> the rest of them. You really are the son of God. Yeah, and Peter's like, where were you? Yeah, yeah, I was out there. Where were you guys, right? Sometimes we have to move past our fears and trust the things that we know are true. See, for many of us, just if I can ask this question out loud, what's keeping you from following Jesus like he is who he really says he is? And I think the answer for some of us anyway is that we doubt that we can do it. We doubt ourselves. We doubt, we have these tapes that play in our head over and over again. Max has talked a little bit about this before. Right, that tell us again and again, you're not good enough, you can't do this. You, you remember your past. Remember all the places and times you've failed that you've sunk before. We have these tapes that play over and over and over again in our head. And, and oftentimes we listen to those more than we listen to the, this Jesus who says, I believe you can do it. I believe you can follow me. I believe you have the capacity. I believe you have what it takes to follow after me. And some of us in here right now, if we're honest, are just saying, no, I don't. I can't do it. You don't understand. I've got these things, and we can list these circumstances. We can list the winds and the waves that are around us and say, I can't do it because of these things. But I want you to hear Jesus say today, yes, you can. You can do it. You can do it. What if 
we began to trust Jesus. That he was who he said he was. So what if we actually believe, just, just with me for a second, what if we actually live like we believe that Jesus really loves us? Right now, right where we are, with everything he is. What if we believed in his forgiveness? That, yeah, we have done things in the past to break relationship between God and others. You bet, all of us have. But what if we believe Jesus was, a, was, was somebody who forgives us if we're willing to accept his forgiveness? What if we actually believe that he believes in you? Now, I, I don't know about you. I don't think Jesus has asked me to get out of a boat and walk on water lately. <laughs> okay, maybe never. But I do know that for some of us, some of the things that we are facing in our lives, to be honest, are more miraculous to do than walking on water. For some of us, it's things like forgiving people who don't deserve our forgiveness. For some of us, it's actually stepping into that and saying, you know what, I know everybody around me says, I have no, that person deserves none of my grace, none of my forgiveness. They've done so many things to me. But what if you actually forgave them? What if you quit living in the past in those places and began to step into this future where you said, God, I trust you. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. For some of us, maybe it's some habits in our lives that we've been fighting for maybe a long time, maybe a lifetime. What would it be like if we began to trust that Jesus can bring freedom even from those things? For some of us, I wonder, like, what is your step out of the boat? Maybe it's seeing people and treating people like they're all made in God's image. And so instead of treating people like objects sometimes, instead of treating people like they can get us somewhere where we need to get, like they can help us become something that we want or get us something that we want, what if we started seeing people like they really were created in God's image? Like, what if we started seeing people like Jesus sees people? as somebody worthwhile, who has something to contribute to this world and to this place? What if we began to see, maybe that's the next step out of the boat for you. Maybe for some of us, it's something like starting some new things. So maybe Jesus is calling you to start spending time with him, like you would with a friend, maybe on a daily basis. Maybe it just means praying a little bit or in God's word. But maybe that's the step out of the boat for you is to hear God saying, I just want to spend time with you. What would it be like if, you just try to spend 15 minutes a day reading the Bible and praying a little bit. Maybe that's the step out of the boat for you. For some of us, maybe it's serving. Maybe, maybe you know, and maybe you've been wrestling with this for a while. Maybe God's been calling you, or maybe even right now you sense this, that God's calling you to do something, to serve in some way. Maybe it's set up and tear down here at Generations. Maybe, it's a, maybe God's calling you to pray specifically for some things and, and for generations on a regular basis. Maybe God's calling you to serve with our children or with our youth. Maybe God's asking you to serve with Jessamine County Food Pantry. I don't know what it is, but maybe God's inviting you. Maybe that's the step out of the boat for you is to say, I, I'm afraid of this, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I'm going to trust that Jesus is who he says he is. In just a second, we're gonna watch a video. It's, got, it's a song, and it's just gonna have the lyrics of the song on the screen. It just talks about trusting and walking on water. And, and as we do that, I just wanna invite you to, to ask God, what are you calling me to? And maybe in the midst of listening to his voice, the listening to the ways that he's calling you, can, can I just challenge you as you listen to just commit to say, I'm going to say yes 
to whatever it is he calls me to. I'm gonna do my best to say yes. And I, even if I don't know that I have what it takes, even if I don't believe, even if I, I wonder, am I, is that really right? I'm gonna try to say yes in the midst of whatever it might be. Because I believe that Jesus believes in you.